Salty Bible Hour is a ministry of Open Door Baptist Church, Brighton, Tennessee. Scripture is our final authority, whereby any and all church councils, creeds, and quotes are in subjection. Salty subscribers will become equipped in a basing ivory tower, scholarly consensus with blue-collar Bible basics. No fluff or filler here, just substance, seasoned with salt, not coated with sugar. Fun conversations. <laughs> so there's a couple of fun conversations in here I'd like to have. Um, from launch from scripture? Yeah, like, uh, which maybe we'll get into them today. Who knows? Maybe we'll, but there's like some more interesting conversations around this idea, but we'll see if we get into it today. Sure, sure. Um, let's let that be our start. We haven't done a cold, uh, I, I hate saying like, the same introduction every time. So that's going to be our start. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What we talked about is honesty and underneath honesty, what is a lie? Uh, Self-deception, right? So... I wanted to start with the concept of you and me have just finished, I guess you'd call it a series of videos on the Bible, really. Mm-hmm. And what we're really doing is trying to establish what is true, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then, if you have oriented yourself properly towards the truth, now you have a different step to take spiritually, which is are you being honest with the truth? Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of why I wanted to start here. Because anytime you have a list in your Bible like this with Scripture, I think it's important to pay attention. Um, and there's a lot of people like, you know, we've talked about several times while preaching, probably not on this podcast, but like the more boring parts of your Bible where it's like the socket and the board and the two sockets and the board. And it's like, but there's a lot of people who have taken those lists, which are nothing more than material lists, and they've actually gotten a lot of kind of cool different insight as to what that means. So anytime there's a list in your Bible... I think it's important to pay attention to why God is listing it out that way. But I kind of wanted to start, if, if we could, and I don't know if this is your train of thought, like there's this personal application to this, there's a local application, which I would say is probably what's directly in a believer's vicinity, and then you've got like an almost global application that you can make with the problem or the understanding of honesty. Because it's not telling a lie, right? And we'll get into that today. You've got several instances outside of the instances of the Bible where it's like Rahab, Joseph, um, the Gibeonites, you know, uh, the lying spirit that God sends to the prophets. Mm-hmm. The fact that in First or in Thessalonians he says, "I will cause them to believe a lie," mm-hmm. right? So it's more than the proposition of "Thou shalt not bear false witness." But I think it's hard to open that up for people because what we're really saying is you have a simple understanding of this thing, but then there's a much bigger understanding that has to be at some point grasped by a believer mm-hmm. or you're going to stumble. Like if you're stumbling with the fact that God would lie to a wicked person or that in a... <laughs> Really, honestly, what you would say in warfare, Rahab 
lies, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of, this is James Knox that said this, no one's ever looked at the camouflage on a tank right. and said, uh, how deceitful. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> so I, I am much more interested in self-deception to start with, like how this applies to you personally or individually. If I can start with a question, which I think one of the most hardest things about being honest is being transparent. Where do you say, this is, this is where I know I can deceive myself? Where do you say, like, this is where I think if I'm, I'm worried about, I will lie to myself about this thing. I will believe my own lie. And the reason I started that is because Ananias and Sapphira, it says something very interesting. Mm-hmm. It says, why hath Satan... Right. And then it says, it, I've got these written down if, if we're going to have a verse. Why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And the very next verse, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine mm-hmm. heart? And like, it's very interesting how many times that we've talked about how this plays in with salvation, where the devil will come in at the moment where someone would receive the word of God. And even in this case, where it's people that are believing but they have believed a lie that they thought was their own and it wasn't actually theirs. Mm. And as a pastor, if you're sensitive to anything, you're sensitive to the fact that there is going to be an influencing spirit upon you to deceive yourself. Mm -hmm. And the people that have committed the most horrible atrocities in the world did it believing they were doing the right thing. Sure, sure. So... For someone who's sitting there, I, I, I could go this way, but I wanted to start with you because I feel like you're, this is something that everyone has to examine themselves if you step, I, I don't know if I apply this all to stepping into the pulpit, I definitely apply it to being in the ministry. How do you say like, man, this is where I think I'm the most sensitive, I'm making sure I'm not deceiving myself, or this is how I check that? Hard question because um, <laughs> this this sounds like a almost like a Oprah Winfrey session or something that I'm about to say, but really the worst form of deception is self-deception. The worst person that you can lie to is yourself. I know that sounds a little bit sensitive and uh, new age, but it is. If the question you ask me is very difficult to answer because if I am self-deceived, I'm not going to know it. I, and when I do now, listen, I can construct a lie. Mm-hmm. I have constructed a lie. Yeah, uh, many times, and it, it is a creepy feeling when you do that because it's what made me lie was an action that was an unrighteous action. Yeah, and then you had to cover it up. Mm-hmm. And now, uh, well, I've got thoughts on that bib- biblically, but it's right now as far as um, where I can't answer that. There's no way I can, uh, as far as when I'm self-deceived, because if I am deceived, I'm deceived, and I don't know it. Yeah. I'm very aware of my honesty as I approach God and as mm-hmm. I approach Scripture. There, I would like to think there's never been a time when I've been deceptive and didn't know it. Yeah. Now, I know I've, I could be deceived by things, and, but, man, there is a keenness that you develop, and you don't get it, you don't get it overnight, but you develop a sense of... Uh, discernment, yeah. having your senses exercised to discern good from evil. I just, I do believe that. I believe that there's something there that, um, now when it comes to Bible passages and things that we, you know, uh, variances of opinions and things like that, I could easily be wrong about a lot of stuff. That's yeah. not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about things that, and I'm not even talking about the moral ramifications of it. I'm There's probably more that. to honesty than mm-hmm. being right, though, which I well, think people would struggle with. I, I look at it from this approach. Um, consistency yeah. with your inner self and your outer self mm-hmm. being genuine. Yeah. The Bible calls it a wholesome tongue. Have you ever considered yeah. that? The Bible says, um, I want to quote that if I can. Oh, I can, yeah, come, I can launch from that a little better. Um, in Proverbs 15, the Bible says, and I hope I'm not skirting your question. That's a good question. I don't know if I can answer it because if I, who, who that is deceived knows they're deceived by themselves. I think how I would say it, like if I were to say it back to you, I would say, uh, I preach, um, we talked about this the other day. I don't know if you realize this, Chelsea and me were talking about it. I had said something during the message. I had said something during the message and I didn't mean it in any malice or whatever else, but I thought, oh no, someone could perceive that way. And then as soon as I'm out of the pulpit, I'm telling you, I'm out of the pulpit and now I'm going into this spiral Mm -hmm. of depression Mm -hmm. because I feel like I've done something wrong or I failed or something like that. And there comes a time where you have to realize like, oh no, I'm Trust me, I've got the phone calls from that. (laughs) I'm joking. But you're going into that hole and you realize like yeah. you are in an act of deceiving yourself yeah. into something, but not only now. There's more egregious versions of that. Of course, and you not, expressed to me what you were concerned about. In hey, man, that's that's minimal. That's you're you're being too hard on yourself. But I, I do. That's a great example, though. Yeah. Great example. Um, let me quote this real quick. While yeah, I do it. On my thought on my mind. Bible says this: a, a soft answer turneth away wrath. Uh, Proverbs 15 verse one: A soft answer turneth away wrath. That grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge or right, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Now watch this. I'll ask you a question. What is a wholesome tongue? A wholesome tongue is a, well, good, simple answer. It's a tree of life. Yeah. That's what the, okay, how are we doing with that? When we think of a wholesome tongue, and I'll, I'll continue from this text, what does the average God-fearing person sync up with in their thoughts when you say a wholesome tongue? Yeah, I think the, the, the onboarding understanding of that is going to be you don't curse or you've got a good control of So your... don't use cuss words. Don't cur- what, is, what is a curse word? Yeah. Because here's the question. If it is pronouncing a curse, then Jesus Christ is guilty of not having a wholesome tongue. Well, and when it says that Peter began cursing in the Gospels, it then says, what was the curse that he was saying? It was a lie. I know not the man. He began to curse and to swear. I know not the man. And And people think that the curse and the swear is he's saying expletives. expletives It tells you what the curse and the swear is. The swear is, I don't know I've never considered it that way, but that's interesting. So it's a lie, right? right? Okay. That would be a good launching place in Scripture to preach against the world's Filler words, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to, but uh, uh, not sure about that. I, I'm not sure. What do you I, have more problem say, with? The guy who's honest with you that says the four letter words every once in right. a while, right? Or like if I had two mechanics mm-hmm. and one's a trade mechanic <laughs> yeah. and he's cursing every other word, right. but he's sincere and right. honest with you, or the guy who's got all of the polish in the world, but he's fixing to rob you blind because right. you don't know anything about cars, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Like one is that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a delineation for people. I know that yeah. it might upset individuals to think that from this, this is not, mm. I guess what I would say is this is not a, this is not an excuse 
to use poor language. Right. This is an understanding of the the lie. Man, you, every time you lie, you're weaker. You're weaker because now yeah, you have to undergo yeah. the support of something that's untrue. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would say from the pulpit stuff. I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can say what you said earlier. I think there have been times where I internally might have been like, ah, I don't know if I, that's true, and I said it as if it was. I'll give you an example of when the, the last time I remember what what you're talking about. It was a um, it was a, an online discussion I had with someone else, a, a, a contrary views about something, and I told mm-hmm. did I tell you I had a uh, I didn't say the word, but I used the um, initials for uh, barnyard fertilizer. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I, this is me exhibiting barnyard fertilizer. And, and for anyone that doesn't I, know, that's actually a psychological technical term. I know that people yeah, think right. you're saying something. Like, I know. That's actually a term that is used for what you're talking about. That's what I did. So and go I, ahead. And I said, I was ashamed. I just said, look, man, I, I'm glad I called it, Joey. Yeah. Okay. I said, right here where this guy asked me this. I looked at a text and just because you're in defense mode, mm-hmm. you understand. I try to be very mindful of that and not just to be an avatar for my own preconceived ideology yeah. and just parrot things that I want to really think and consider what's said. And I said right there, and at, later on I got it, and I wish I would have. There's a great answer for that, and I, I found it later, or it found me later. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I bedazzled him with barnyard fertilizer and deflected that thing. Yeah. And that's an example of me not being honest with myself. I never want to be satisfied yeah. or be comfortable with that. But speak, see, that was not a wholesome tongue. Yeah. A wholesome tongue, watch what it is. It's a tree of life. Um, but here we got perverseness therein. That, see, that's the contrast is going to define what wholesome is by showing what perverseness uh, there is a breach of the spirit. There's a flow to an honest man. There's a flow, there's a, there's a social fluidity. There's a moral fluidity. Picture a conduit, a water hose. And if there is a, there's a consistent stream of thought and of honesty where you don't have to think about what mm-hmm. you said and it's a tree of life. There's a tree. If you watch a tree start to develop, a tree develops very slowly. So does our moral compass and our social mm-hmm. fluidity and all of these things. It's got a certain growth trajectory. As you see it growing, you can tell the next season which which trajectory those new branches and that new life is going to the direction that it goes. Perverseness is an unnatural growth trajectory. Think about reverse. Yeah. Reverse is a 180 degree turn. You're going, you're going the opposite way. Perverse is, um, it's a, um, well, I think I've got it written down. I might have, uh, is, it's turning aside. Okay. Reverse is turning around. Perverse is turning aside. So that's what perverseness is. And if you are not consistent and steady, you're not speaking with a wholesome tongue. I hear a lot of, a lot of, uh, here's a good example. And it's, it's not the wicked, immoral things that we often tether perverseness to. Mm-hmm. It's, um, if I am a pastor, and let's talk about church for a minute, and I am preaching to a congregation, let's say I, I'm a puppet in my pulpit, yeah. and I am appeasing a congregation mm-hmm. and saying things that I know they want to hear, yeah. and it will, it will kind of rally that little in-group a little bit, but I really internally just don't really think it's it's 
scripturally true. Yeah. I've just, I'm not speaking with a wholesome tongue. I've had so many pastors in, in uh, at churches that, that have a certain expectation of what they are to believe. And um, in private, that pastor will say, I believe more like you do. Yeah. He'll say that. You understand? He's saying it. You know what? He's not speaking with a wholesome tongue. Yeah. What about this? What about usually youth pastors? I pick on youth pastors a lot because just I'm leery of you if you're a youth pastor. I'm sorry. But um, might be a good one out there somewhere. But anyway, um, you see something. How about saying something? How you been doing? Oh, I've, I just bought a new lawnmower last week. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you hear that? Now, let me ask you something. What is awesome? Words have meanings. And awesome is when there is, there's probably two times in my life where I've ever been awestruck. <laughs> that's so funny. Right? And that's all where you, all you can do is say, oh, like I, there's maybe once or twice in my life, mm-hmm. buy a new lawnmower, awesome. If you say everything's awesome, then nothing is. And would you agree that that is not a wholesome tongue? Even if that young man never uses uh, four-letter expletives and has, uh, uh, I, believe, I believe you ought to be both. I think you should not have speech that can uh, be it's blameless in your speech. speech if you it's could. immature speech. It's just underdeveloped. Like, just like no, the tree. No just one's like, going to say awesome from a, uh, from a lecture at a college. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to hear that at middle school. And so people don't have... It's just... So we can say it takes time to develop a wholesome tongue. It takes maturity. And it's, yeah. a, it's akin to Christian maturity. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Um, consistent. Because how, how often would you say, if I, if I rolled the tide back mm-hmm. on Kirby Tab from the moment he got saved, or maybe you'd say the moment you started walking with the Lord, because you and me have talked about that before, mm-hmm. like where you had a break there. The moment you started walking with the Lord... And you said how often I probably was or said something deceptive or said something through flattery that I really didn't mean, which is kind of what that person's you're getting at is a little bit of doing, versus now. Now, all these years of maturity mm-hmm. that you've come along, now you're so much more keen to, I don't want to just say something flippantly because words matter. Not just what words, but words themselves matter. And you don't realize, I guess until you start probably standing up and speaking before people. Has this ever happened to you? This has happened to me, so I'll be interested to see if it's happened to you. I've said something, and then I've grown and learned and realized that what I said back here Mm -hmm. probably wasn't the best way to say that. Of course. And then I don't want to preach this thing because it contradicts this thing. And then I've got to have that moment of conflict in my heart where I'm honest and willing to say at the start of this message, hey, I said something back here and I think I said that wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think there's a lot of people that don't ever get enough growth to realize the errors of their past. Probably not. You know? And then you've got to, it's that a wholesome tongue doesn't care. A, a person who has that wholesomeness of that, whatever, it's liquid. Picture it being a fluid social fluidity and there's a social terrain where it will adapt to any environment in other words i will speak differently i see a lot i deal with a lot of different you know i I expand from church life to prison life Mm -hmm. and and all that's in between and uh just being able to be in sync and flow socially uh with within any of those groups and to adapt instantly 
It is a keenness that comes by development, and it's. Uh, but I would say that anyone that says something is awesome, that is cheap, and it's insincere. Very yes, cheap and insincere, insincere, and very disingenuine. Um, Unless they're, they're super mature. If my if my eight year old tells you that's awesome, that's why the he rod, might the rod not gives know them. the words to say. Right? You see what Just I'm saying? Beating, beating. And I, that's how I think of when I think of a young person. They, don't, they haven't matured enough to have any perspective on it. You know what I mean? If you as a 52-year-old, 51-year-old, tell me... 52 now. 52 now. 52-year-old, tell me that something is awesome. Now, for I know you, <laughs> automatically you're going to be just messing with me. But if someone said that to you and it was like, uh, you know, yeah, I got whatever, something, I got a new weed eater. <laughs> like, that's awesome. You know... You're going to be like, dude, that's, you know. Yeah, not you're just really being interested. Little... Um, is it really? That's what I want to say. Is it really? That's funny. Yeah. But, um, you know, it happens in the workplace a lot. When you talk about flattery, um, for some reason, I learned at a very early age that, 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 that it's a very cheap thing to flatter. And um, not. Who not do you want to flatter? What, what causes that? I don't know. Because I don't want, like, I do this very, uh, for anyone who, you know, obviously pastor is my pastor he's also my father-in-law it would benefit me greatly to flatter him i don't feel like i flatter you but i do and have on several occasions told people how much you mean to me well, how big that's of an influence you had on me a sincere compliment means something but flattery is dishonest yeah you want something from me if you're flattering me yeah you see to flat so flattery. So I'm manipulating you through words yeah just just uh, yeah. Um, or I'm trying to at least yeah uh, buttering me up for something you know you ever see somebody you know, the proverbial father sitting in his chair and the kids come and they're out of character like yeah. dad you're so great what do you want right yeah. what do you want <laughs> yeah that's what the dad says because that's you that ain't you you're, you're not gonna fool me but uh, in the workplace can I say this is a happen? fat guy let me say this is a fat guy huh? I'm fat I'm aware I'm fat, okay? Don't tell me I'm not fat. You know what I'm saying? Get you a skinny mirror. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like, don't tell me I'm not fat. I'm not saying that you, whatever you want to say about the ideal of what you're trying to live up to, mm -hmm. uh, but if, if somebody says that to me, mm -hmm. I automatically am like, I don't know, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like, look, man. If they say what? I'm okay. Like, they say, oh, you're not that fat. Like, no, stop. You're just big bone. Yeah, I don't want any of that. I understand. Like, let's, like, I don't care about it, like, as far as that's concerned. Like, it doesn't yeah. hurt my feelings. Right. You could tell, you, my dad, when I was a kid or whatever, would t it didn't hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, like, I don't know what to say about that other than why, why would you do that? Because you know that you're lying to that person, mm -hmm. right? Now, I don't know if it's a nicety that carries over. I think that's what it is for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, I don't know. I don't know how often people allow their cultural their cultural morals to supersede the Bible. Does that make sense? Give me an example. Like. Man, there's a perfect example of this, but I can't reference this. Whenever we get the ability to show videos, I'd like to show videos of this. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll often see someone go back into Scripture, especially Old Testament, and they'll say, how can you justify this? Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And there is a good retort to that of, 
why do you believe that your morality supersedes mm -hmm. the pure and perfect law of God? Mm -hmm. Now, the whole point of the law is that no one could live up to it. Mm -hmm. But to try to condemn what the Bible says mm -hmm. through your morality is to say that what you think to be right is above what God said actually is right. You know? I got a great example right now. And tell me, this is where another example of dishonesty, though. For if I would be dishonest if I said, there's a place in the Bible that says, if you've got a stubborn and rebellious son. Gluttonous and drunkard. Right. Bring him out and stone him for the congregation. That I was the, the example Bible. I was thinking of with George Antonio. Exactly. Okay, here's the thing. Um, let me be honest with you. I, wanna, I love God. I want to obey God. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. Yeah. If I said, if I said, if I said to you, well, if I was living in that day, and I, I probably, you know, a lot of people have sons that qualify for that. You understand? Yeah. And I'm like, if I, if I, that is a shocking verse. I think it's Deuteronomy 21:18, maybe or 18:21, yeah, something right like there. that. If a man, yep. and that's a lot of uh, atheists will use that as an indictment against the mm -hmm. morality of Scripture, and you know, you judge the Quran, but your book says, and I know what it says, and. As I consider that as a father, put me in, in uh, uh, yeah. that century and that under the Mosaic Covenant, what are you going to do? And I'm telling you, here's the, the pious Bible believer in me says, well, I would do what the Bible says. And if I said that, Joey, I would not be speaking with a wholesome tongue. I'm telling you right now, I am not giving my son to a mob yeah. to stone him. And knowing what a stoning is and seeing that, I'm not turning him over. But it does. What, what has happened when I consider that, I've considered that thing a lot. Um, one thing that I, I'm telling you, you, whatever happens, you're not getting my son. That's all there is to it. I am not turning him over to a mob yeah. and watch them pelt him with rocks and, and stones until he dies. It I think we can't happening. apply today's now, logic I'll tell you to this. that time. Right? Well, either way, though, if you were in that time, if I was in that time, I'm telling you, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I'm being very honest with you, but I'll tell you this, I, I would, I would, I, it gets you to thinking. That kind of thing gets you to thinking. If I unravel that, let's say I unravel what you're saying right there, aren't the consequences of not doing it that your whole family is stoned and killed by the congregation? Might be. Might be. So then are you willing to let all of the innocent children that are underneath your tutelage punish mm. because you are not willing to live up to your responsibility yeah. as the authority figure in your home? It'll be a bad day Also, with, like George yeah. Antonio was talking right. about with this, mm. a gluttonous and rebellious son. I think everyone, it's always an eight-year-old kid. Right. He's like, you're a kid till you're 40 in mm. Israel. So if I've got a 40-year-old mm. slob who will not... In an agricultural society where if you do not work, people starve to death mm -hmm. and die. And there is no welfare system, so you are a drain on the entire state and community. We have people walking around right here outside of this community who are nothing but a drain to the entire society. Mm -hmm. They hurt the country because of their own laziness, right? Mm -hmm. All right? And everyone would say, this can't continue. Now, if you had a law that said, if you did that, there would be that kind of punishment. Mm -hmm. 
Don't you think that would raise the floor mm. of how people would act? And I think that's ultimately, I don't even know if that was ever done one time. Well, it, it is a thing that yeah. raises the floor. And it, I understand the impetus of it. It's that others would, would hear in fear. You see the example. Yes, and that's someone's, exactly what it says in the passage, that make, others would Someone's going to make an example. I see how it, it's great, but I don't care what you say. Yeah. You understand? Let me tell you this, man. I've got a 26-year-old son. Yeah. Okay? I'm telling you, you're not getting my son. Yeah. It's not happening, sir. That's all there is to it. Now, here's what I would gladly do. Yeah. There's a vicarious atonement allowed for that. Now, I'm not trying to be moral. I'm telling you the absolute truth. I will gladly take the blame for that young man's action, take responsibility, and I would become a fool. I wouldn't be a hero of a father rescuing his son. Yeah. I would take it. I, somebody's got that payment has to be made. I'll yeah. take it. I ain't watching my son. Well, l- let me say, like, and underneath that, you see, guys do of the you law. not see, real quick, let me continue this thought. You see, you can't look at that and not say, look what Jesus Christ did. Yes. Look what God did with his son. And it, he gave his innocent son yeah. to the mob yeah. for you. I'm not giving my guilty son to the I'm not that good. Yes. You understand? But I tell you this. You don't. You th- what would you rather do? Would you rather watch your your firstborn die that horrible death, or would you take it in a heartbeat? I would gladly take. it. I would be relieved. I've seen it played out it. in a lesser sense. Now, look, I'm going to spiritualize this. And of what course, I by taking seen... it, I would become a fool. I wouldn't be a hero. It wouldn't yes. be. Look what he's doing for his dad. What do you do? You become the shame of it, just like Jesus Christ. You know who was willing to, to take the shame? Joseph for Mary, because she should have been stoned. Yes. What did Mo- he said? I'm going to do it privately. And when he did, he was going to bear shame for putting her away. Yeah. You see. Because uh, he was man. Yeah. Exactly. So with that being said, get, those kind of things, and I, I didn't mean to cut you, those things will get you to think. Now, if I said, here's a, a wholesome tongue. If I said, listen, I, I believe the Bible. You just stone your kid. If I said that, guess what I'm doing? I'm not being honest. Well, yeah, no, I think the most important thing you can do in this whole context is be honest with, all right, this is how I feel about it. Now, whether or not those feelings are right or wrong is completely indeterminate. Mm-hmm. What I've seen is that there have been multiple pastors who had a child who was out of the way, protected that child and hid their sin, mm-hmm. only to watch them lose their entire family sure. because of that. Sure. And I think that that is the physical counterpart of that. Oh, sure. I see it. How, are you willing to sacrifice your innocent daughter, your innocent wife, your innocent son? Because you're not going to get to fall on the altar and die for them. Mm-hmm. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill him. Then they're going to kill your whole family mm-hmm. because you did not uphold the law of God. Mm-hmm. Now that is on some fell grace and on others. <laughs> like You know what I mean? That's the division yeah. between law and grace. Mm-hmm. But... When you look at God will cast all liars into hell, Mm -hmm. how serious he takes the action of being dishonest throughout all of Scripture, Mm -hmm. right? The idea that I am going to correct the perfect word of God or I'm going to augment the perfect word of God Mm -hmm. with my own morality is absolutely... Mm -hmm. I'm putting myself above God in that. I would say, here's a more righteous answer Mm -hmm. than what you provided. Mm -hmm. And so... I am not saying I could do it. I don't know if I could. That's like one of those things like everyone thinks that they're going to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. I cannot say I would ever live up to an aesthetic. You and me and me, when I think about, when I think about it, it would be the most heartbreaking moment of my life, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not willing to say that I 
and better than the law of God. Well, let me, let me put it another scenario, okay? And I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm telling you the truth, okay? Yeah. I would gladly take the rocks in place of my son. Yes. Now, here's what I would, this is what I, the only thing I could hope for, okay? I'll bear the shame. I am the town, I'm the village idiot, okay? When I go out there and face the humiliation of stoning, I've seen stonings with my Homeland Security stuff. Yeah. It is one of the most horrible things. I'm haunted by the stonings that I've yeah. seen, and it is not pretty. Well, I mean, it ends But you're up, professing but that that I law is right. That's well, the righteous Absolutely it's thing. right, but here's the thing. I could only hope in my last dying moments that my guilty son would see what his sin does. Yeah. And that as he saw his dad. Yeah. You understand perishing for his that he would repent yes you understand? that he would hear in fear and say this is man this is this is how serious my sin is mm -hmm. you see and um i would i would advocate for that allowance because it's got justice has got to got to prevail i'll take the punishment i'll yeah. take the blame but if that's, you know, the bible allowed it and said that you could do that i would say i would take the other option and for it sure look, it looks and like it, it might very well allow it in a case, but I don't think that that's what happened. What I honestly believe is that people don't realize what laws are for. The speed limit's 55, right? Yeah. No one ever gets a ticket for going 56. No one gets a ticket for going 57. No one gets a ticket for going 58. Not if there's permanent conditions. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about there's kids in a school grant. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. talking about, but why is the speed limit 55? Now, the fundamental reason is for fuel conservation, but the actual, the actual thing is, is that I've got to be able to pull you down. They do a measurement every year on these highways. They know what the average speed is traveled. Mm -hmm. They know the average speed traveled on 51 is 62 miles an hour. Okay. That's the average speed of those cars. Okay. But I gotta pull you back from 75, don't you? Mm -hmm. I've gotta set a floor, I've gotta set a minimum somehow. We have rules and laws about this that are so harsh, and this is kind of why you have more safe cultures than ours. The safest cultures in society today are the ones where the crime for the punishment is as harsh as it can possibly be because no one's willing to lose an arm right right to mm -hmm. grab your wallet so when that's the punishment i can go to dubai and i can set my wallet on a pelt and i've seen videos of guys right. doing this they'll set a cell phone and a wallet and keys right on top of the yep. middle and it'll be there for days mm -hmm. and no one will touch it absolutely right yeah. That, I think, is the point of those laws. Now, no, without having to add all yeah. of the explanation on top of it, which not that we shouldn't have an answer how to answer every man, I would say if there was something in this Bible I couldn't explain, mm -hmm. it's beyond me, and I will, I will, I will come down to it mm -hmm. and submit myself to it because I know that's truth. I'm a liar. Mm -hmm. Whatever I think in my heart about what I would do or how I, I can deceive myself, mm -hmm into thinking I'm more righteous than I am. Mm -hmm. That's what's right. Mm -hmm. But that's a big, that's hard to swallow. That's hard to swallow when it comes to that passage. Yeah. Well, um, I, I just know this, I would be not honest. I'd be lying to myself. I said, well, yeah, it says what I'm, bless God, I, I would do yeah. that. No, no, I've thought about it and I'm telling you, you're not getting my son. Yeah, it's not happening. No, you've preached that before. It's not happening. Yeah, you've uh, preached that several this, times. Um, speed limit. I think technically, would you could we say for Romans thirteen, all whatever is it a sin to violate the law of the land? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, yeah. if you if you're 
son was grievously injured and you need to run him up to the hospital, are you going to do the speed limit or are you going to break it by about 40 miles over? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to do that. Well, and I would say law is difficult with some of these things. Would it bother your conscience that you went 90 and a 55 taking your son to the hospital? Is it against the law to murder? Hmm. Right? I think so. And if someone breaks into your home, would you murder them? Is that murder, though? You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Well, there's got to be an allowance for life. All throughout Scripture, you have people who deceive their deceive someone in order to preserve life. Well, here's that's always question. been an yeah. allowance throughout all of the Scripture. Exactly. And who who? Well, here's the thing, though. Who are you deceiving if you're going 90 and a 55? Are you going to? By the time you get to the hospital, are you going to feel guilty and and, ha- and confess? No, there's that something that sin. supersedes. There's something yeah. that's superordinate to an individual law. If they said there was a law that got passed tomorrow, you cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Would you not say there's something superordinate sure, to? Sure, I would. So there's something superordinate to Romans 13 falls underneath a hierarchy of other things. Well, let me, let me give you an example. Um, this is where we get with our objective. Your objective, if your son is hurt and you're going to the hospital, your objective is to get him to safety as fast as you can and get treatment. That's yeah. your objective. Your method just had to mold to your objective. Your methodology just yeah. changed. Now, I know some people that are they're good people, mm-hmm. but they're 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 methodologically possessed. Yes. I cannot go over the speed limit. I must use my blinker. I must come to a complete stop. You understand? They are like that. You understand? And yeah. they, at the expense of everything else. Um, What's the other way of saying that? Is that they their belief is limited to a proposition. Which to is what their, we are talking about to here. To their detriment. Any lie, any lie that is told, like the the this is um, utilitarianism versus, and I forget what the other one is, but basically there was a guy who advocated that if you come to my door looking to kill me and say, are you Joseph Carter? Mm-hmm. I must answer honestly, right? right? I must behave in a way. Right. But that's not true. That's not, that is a thing that you are you are captivated by a proposition mm-hmm. that you have believed. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about when you're methodologically methodological Methodological possession. It's well, the same thing as being propositionally possessed. You cannot escape the true-false I'll give you an example of methodological possession. In a, in a, I've been on the road in a very rain. In the summertime, we get the big tropical thunderstorms, you know, that come this way. Well, not tropical. It's overtake, I guess, from the hurricanes in the yeah. south that come up and it'll... We have a lot of heavy rains. Well, I've been driving down the road, back roads before, and the, the sides, you know how the roads are concave or mm-hmm. convex or, you know, you know, slope down. Well, it'll hold a lot of water. Yeah. And you'll hydroplane, and man, it'll slow your car down, okay? Mm-hmm. I've been where there's a mile of straightway, a car in front of me. Yes. Because the rules say drive on the left side of the roadway. They're pouring through that. They're, yep. they're, they're going slow because they, they are methodologically mm-hmm. possessed. Where is all you have to do is get in the middle of the road and hammer down, buddy. Because yeah. there's no water in that middle of the roadway. I'm straddling the lane. Now, mm-hmm. technically, have I violated the rules? Yes. Of course I have. But I've got an objective, and that's to get somewhere yeah. without flooding my car or hydroplaning and going off the roadway and causing another crash by going so slow. There's yeah. a lot of... there. There's a, man, you see, I got, um, well, you mentioned Rahab. So here we go. I, I'll ask you a question. And it really stems from this. If I am in post, in the World War II, in, in, uh, if I'm in France in World mm-hmm. War II, and I am harboring some refugees, some Jewish refugees, yep. 
and the um, Nazis come and, mm-hmm. and ask if uh, are you harboring refugees, am I going to say, yeah, you caught me, I got to be honest, they're in the <laughs> Or am I going to say, no. Yeah. What are you going to say? Yeah. Have I lied? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Then lying's a sin. Have I sinned? That's well, I think bearing false witness is a sin. Yeah. Right? Now, this is, this is where this thing Am derails. I being dishonest, though? Because the Bible talks about renouncing the hidden things, things of, of dishonesty. dishonesty. Am I being honest you're and transparent, being... or am I being deceptive? Well, you're not being, but you're, you are being deceptive. Mm. But, of course, you're being deceptive. That's your enemy. Is it righteous deception? Yeah, of course it is. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you see that. See, that's a tough one. There's tons of examples. Can I, can I give you a couple of things in the Bible? Here, I'm, going, I'm not going to look at them. I'll give go you a reference. If you go to Judges chapter 2, you're going to see Rahab, the, the spies came into the land of Jericho yeah. and um, spied out the land. Rahab took them and hit them. Well, now, we mm-hmm. learn later that she believed the promises of God. She knew they were going to take it. Yeah. That she believed the promises that Abraham had. Okay, um, She hit them. Mm-hmm. And the Bible says when the, when the men of that city came to look for them, they said, where are the spies? The Bible clearly says she hit them. Mm-hmm. And then she said, they went out that way. I ain't seen them since. Yeah. That's what she said. She dece- First of all, she's guilty of treason. She just committed treason against her own nation. Yeah. <laughs> and she, but you know what God says? By the time you get to James chapter 2, you know what he says? He says, uh, was Rahab not justified yeah. when she hid the spies? In her eyes, she was justified in the sight of God for being dishonest. Yeah. The book of uh, Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, talks about by faith Abraham, by faith Noah, by faith mm-hmm. all these guys, by faith Rahab hid the spies. Yep. So when God speaks of what she did, mm-hmm. which mankind, a methodologically possessed creature, yeah. would have, I've got to follow the rules. I, you know, understand? Yeah. God said what she did, she, she had the discretion to see what the, her, she had a righteous objective to keep these people alive. Yes. And she, um, her method was suspect, but you know what? God says that's an act of righteousness in the book of James and an act of justification and faith in the book of Hebrews. Or James, yeah. I had it backwards. See it again, Joseph, is he not the greatest type of Jesus Christ in your Bible? Mm-hmm. I've heard it well said that someone, uh, people couldn't find any sin in him. No one, you can find where Daniel sinned. Yeah. You can find where Paul sinned. Find some sin in Joseph. I've heard the worst that anybody's ever that I've heard people say. Well, you, he was a little naive because he shouldn't have been in Potiphar's house with the wife. Remember that naive? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, whatever. He's doing the will of his master. Yeah. But I do see where he was deceptive. You know what it was? Well, it was his brethren. Yeah. He put that cup in Benjamin's sack, mm-hmm. and Benjamin uh, he did it for an objective. He had a lesson. He's trying to teach him. He's got an objective, but he did not tell the truth. Because yeah. when they brought him back and said, ah, the cup's in your sack, uh, knowest thou not that a man such as I can divine? Mm-hmm. In other words, I, I, I've got divination. I, I sense that, no, you devised it, man. You planted yeah. that cup in there. But that's a righteous act. That's, that's that because he had a righteous objective to test the brethren. Mm-hmm. A lot of prophetical overtones there. David, I want to I look at this one real quick. And don't okay. let me take over now if you've got something to say. Because I've got to, uh, let me look at this. I'll show you a few in uh, Samuel of David. And this is important because you got to ask yourself, what is a lie? Yeah. I'm not trying to have some situational ethics course here, but what is a lie? I'm seeing this, that it is always perfectly okay in the sight of God to deceive your enemies. 
Yeah. And God gives you the, the green light with that. Uh, I'll show you. First uh, Samuel chapter 20. Can Let me look at I this. say it like this for everyone who's, while you're turning there. Um, the arena has to fit. Like, I can't be a preacher in every arena I walk into. And I think that you'll right. see that sometimes right. with people who, let's say I'm a preacher. So because I'm a preacher, and I don't mean this in an ugly way, I know good people that do this. They mow their grass with a tie on, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because they are trying to live up to something, mm -hmm. right? Something that they have idealized, mm -hmm. right? And that's fine. I think that anything that anyone does for the honor and glory of God uh -huh. is completely fine. I also said, heard it said this way, and this is very true. Do you think that God is more honored and glorified in Samuel when he has no knowledge of him, but he's just willing to be obedient to mm -hmm. him? Or is he more honored and glorified in Samuel when he is anointing David as the uh, king of Israel? Mm -hmm. He's honored and glorified in all of those stages of your development with God. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's hearing this right now who's saying, well, are you saying that it's okay to lie? We're saying that there are things that are superordinate to the true false claim of is this the truth or is this not the truth? Because situations do matter. Where this buffers up because you're in my personality, allow us to do this. Mm -hmm. This is the danger of self-deception, which we come back to. You can justify almost anything you want to do. you got enough Bible knowledge to do it. Mm -hmm. And you'll make yourself think you're right. And yeah. the devil will come in and he'll reinforce it and reinforce sure. it and reinforce mm -hmm. it. And then you get defensive of an ideology, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then you violate the scripture mm -hmm. in a hundred other places to defend the ideology. Now, that is the bigger conversation I'm talking about when I say about honesty and dishonesty. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to kind of take no, a moment, it, if I could squeeze in there and say, yeah. this, this thing has to fit the arena that you're in. It would be crazy for me to wear my work clothes to church, right? Unless because you're I, straight from work. Well, right? you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm gonna preach in the pulpit, and I'm gonna get up, and I've got grease stains from where I've been coupling up railroad cars, right? right? And my shirt's untucked, and I'm covered, like, no. That would be inappropriate, but there's something. There's no. There's no rule in this Bible that says I can't do it. It's just if I'm in that arena, I want to fit it. You're in a debate. You're in a debate, right? A debate's not a discussion. I know. If I have a debate, we're not having a discussion. I agree. I so if like we're not it. having a discussion, then I'm not trying to get anything from you. Right. And so I've got to behave in a way in a debate that fits the arena of a debate, yeah. which is why I don't do debates because I don't think there's any value. I don't like them either. We could just both yeah. record two videos of our yeah. own views mm -hmm. and upload them together yeah. because we're not talking. I get invited to debates, you know, and it, it's called a debate, but I try my best to take that into a discussion and see if we can get real for yeah. it and do, do the best I can. Uh, but just like the guy cutting the grass, with, I, know, I honestly sat under a pastor that would do that, okay? Um, if he, if he's honest, if he, I would say, don't ever take that tie off yep. if it violates your conscience mm -hmm. or you're being dishonest. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll come home from church and throw in some shorts and cut the grass in a heartbeat with a clear Would conscience. you be dishonest if you put a tie and shirt on? Yes, I would. Thing. Absolutely. I'd be and I think there's a nuance uh -huh. there that might be understood. Go ahead. Sure. I'm sorry. I derailed you. Uh, no, that's good. I like what you said. See, it's, it's what this stems from and what it gets into. This, could I say it like this to um, when we're talking about a breach of spirit? 
It's a breach. Just like that, that water, that conduit, that, that mm -hmm. fluidity, there's a cadence, there's a walk, there's a flow to your life. And if you are dishonest, something ought to sputter. Just, yeah. like that, just like that water hose. If it sputters, it's not a flow. And if you're sputtering in your cognition, and you, it's called cognitive dissonance. Dissonance is a musical term that's lack of harmony. There's not a harmonic flow. There, you, know, you don't have to know music to know if something, uh, if there's an irrational beat there that's not in sequence. Yes. You understand, like a melodic flow, you can tell if it's if it's um, it's called an irregular beat or an irrational beat. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a beat to life. Yeah. Okay. And you, you don't have to know the tradesman terms to know when things are out of step. You can tell it with your wife, for example. Uh, tell you what, one of the biggest things we got, man, is that I do not lie to my wife. Yeah. I'm glad I can't. I try to tell her. I'll try to come home and make up something. And she's saying, that's not true. How do you tell? How do you tell? I just tell. And I'll try to convince her of something, and she just spots it right. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah. that I can't do that. You understand? Yeah. My, I, I'm glad that I can't. I've never. Now, you can develop the gift of lying. Yeah. You can develop that. I don't want it. Okay? And I'm not trying. It's not a moral thing. I don't care about the morality of lying. I'm not interested in that. I'm, I care about what it does to my life. Yes. It, it, into, it's, a, it's cognitive disconnect. There's something in you. Just like I told you about me having that fertilizer moment with mm -hmm. that, that, that debate I had. I said, right there, a minute, you know, 43 minute mark. And I would just say this I didn't realize it. No, you didn't, but I did. And I but that's amazing, it. though, yeah. that you think that, like, something inside of you, you could have convinced me. Yeah. That that was your real argument on it, and it was a pretty good one because the guy said uh, after that, "Well, I don't even know what to say to that because." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what I do, I wasn't being honest. Yeah. I was not being honest, but I, uh, I just, I just did something. Yes. I said something. I said something just to deflect that thing. You understand? Well, anyway, and I'm glad that I found. Out. I don't want to ever do it again. Yeah. You understand? So. Uh, no, here we go. Now watch King David. Is he not a man after God's own mm -hmm. heart? Now we know David blew it and sinned a lot, but look at this. You've got to ask yourself, what would the average methodologically possessed person do or say to what you're going to see here? This is him and Jonathan. Um, now he, he worked out something with Jonathan, and David's hiding in the field, going to see if Saul's going to kill him. Chapter 20, verse 6, and of course they're sitting at meat together, and David's not there. And he said, if thy father miss me, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem, uh, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. Now, <laughs> that's not what they're saying. If he asks, mm -hmm. just tell him this. Yeah. Okay, it's not true, but just tell yeah. him. Now, when you get to verse 28, he, he did ask about David. Then Jonathan answered Saul, uh, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. Lot, that is a deceptive, dishonest thing. Mm -hmm. But is there a righteous objective? You know what David's objective is? It's to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> he's anointed. He's been anointed king. He is to stay alive, and it's perfectly okay. I promise you, I'm going somewhere with this. Now, chapter 21. Look at chapter 21. Here's David again. And then these, you know what these are? These are the best years of David's life. Yeah. Was his life better pursuing Running from Saul and pursuing the kingdom, was his life better or when he got the kingdom? Yeah. The yeah. best years of his life are right here. When you get to 2 Samuel 11, there's a paradigm shift. And buddy, it's, it is no, hard no. To, it's hard for me to read I know. that. It's, okay? the downfall it's of man, terrible. Right? But watch. These are the best years, man, lying and running, dude, moving and shaking, right? Look at it. He shows up. David, he's running from Saul, and he shows up at Abimelech, the priest, in chapter uh, 21, verse 2. And David said unto uh, Ahimelech, that is, the priest, 
<clears throat> the king hath commanded me a business. Is that true, Joy? Mm -hmm. And it said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, mm -hmm. and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now he's saying to Abimelech, I, I'm here. You know what he's trying to do? He needs some food and he, he needs, he needs a sword. Yeah. He needs, a, he needs a, a sword and you keep on going and he gets the showbread, uh, verses 3, 4, and 5, and he says, hey, is there anything to eat? Nothing but the showbread. Yep. When you get to Matthew chapter 12, yep. okay, now that's not true. David, David deceived the high priest uh -huh. and said, Saul sent me here. I'm doing this kind of a secret thing. That's why nobody knows about it. Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, I need a sword mm -hmm. <laughs> and I need um, some food. Yep. Okay. And then they accused the disciples of plucking corn on the Sabbath. Yep. Okay. And he said, have you not read mm -hmm. where David went to the uh, uh, temple and took the showbread, which is unlawful, and yes. he profaned the temple and all of that stuff? He did something unlawful. Mm -hmm. He lied about it. Yeah. And God said, that's a righteous thing, and it's perfectly fine to do. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, we're dealing with something. We've got to think about why. Because he is overall objective supersedes what methods that he has to do to get there, yeah. you see? And in life, uh, a perfect example, you know, I, I believe in speaking well and having good speech and not using filler words and yeah. expletives and, and, you know, just one of the things, my speech should be seasoned with salt and yeah. have grace in my speech. I don't have a problem with other people that might cuss a little bit, but it's just not my thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay? But I've got, as a, as a cop, I don't have to cuss. A lot yeah. of cops think they have to. You don't have to. Yeah. But I have a default mechanism when it because there's only been two times in my whole career that I've ever really been scared. Yeah. Okay. And I've had to show my teeth. Yeah. You understand? And listen, man, I it, it it's understandable. It say it could say honestly, using a couple of words like that, set the tone could save your life. Yeah. Put people right back in their place. There's sometimes where it's a sir, please obey me, please. You understand? Yeah. There's the different time, Joey. And I'm telling you, man, um, if somebody breaks in your house, mm -hmm. you understand? As they, Are you going to be like the Quaker that said, Sir, I'm a harmless man and I, I'm a pacifist and I would not harm you, but you're standing right where I'm about to shoot. <laughs> or you might, you might have some, yeah. you, you might get a little ghetto. You understand? Yeah. And that's not because I, I, that's, not, that's not me. That's me scared trying to survive. Mm -hmm. Forget about my methodology. You're tracking? You understand? I'm not following the rules when it comes to trying to survive. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, but anyway, uh, here's another one. This is good. This is worth showing because we're right here in King uh, Samuel. Look at 2 Kings real quick. 2 Kings. Here, you know what? I almost skipped one. Here's another one. I'll just paraphrase. What about when they brought him before Ziklag, David? Mm -hmm. David was deceptive. What did he do? He acted like a maniac. Spittle fire. Yep. But that, that's comical. Uh -huh. He acted like he was insane, letting spit follow his mouth. And they said, you're bringing a madman before me. This guy's no mm -hmm. good. Get him out of here. Yep. What did he do? He deceived people, acted like something he wasn't yes. for the purpose of something. But uh, Elisha, I like this one, Second Kings chapter 8. Second Kings chapter 8. This is Elisha. Uh, had a double, double portion of the spirit of Elijah, didn't he? Second mm -hmm. Kings 8. Let me find it real quick. And uh, jump in here whenever you want to. I, I just, uh, if, you got, if this tr triggers some thoughts... Uh, I got this and just one more after that, and I, nothing else on this. But um, it's real important because Elisha in 2 Kings, uh, he goes to uh, Haziel, who's uh, over Ben-Hadad. He's the Ben-Hadad servant. Ben-Hadad is the king of Syria, and he's sick, and he wants the prophet to tell him if he's going to recover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, here's Elisha um, going up to this guy in chapter 8, verse 10. And Elisha said unto him, Go, say unto him, Thou mayest certainly recover. 
I'll, <laughs> I'll bet the Lord has showed me that he shall surely die and the dude will be dead that night because Haziel's going to kill him, put that wet rag on him, on mm -hmm. his face and, and kill him. Uh, but he's, and the Lord showed him, you're not, you're going to die, but go tell him he's going to live. Yeah. Right. And so with that being said, in chapter 10, verse 19, I got another one here. Chapter 10, verse 19. This is Jehu. Remember Jehu, come see my zeal for the Lord. Remember mm -hmm. he, he made havoc on the prophets of Baal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he said, we're going to have a big old Baal rally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, let's all, we want to worship. I want to show you how I can worship. Okay. So these people, honestly, these are religious people thinking they're coming to worship their God. And it's 2 Kings chapter 10. Now, uh, here's Jehu. Now, therefore, call unto me all the prophets of Baal and his servants and all his priests. Let none be wanting, for I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Come on, guys. Whoever shall be wanting, he shall not live. But Jehu did it in subtlety to the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. And of course, every one of them died by the sword. He mm -hmm. said to, to the swordsman, if he gets by you, you're going to die. Yeah. You understand? Now, here's the question. That's subtle. That's dishonest. He, didn't, he did not tell the truth. He told a fabricated a story mm -hmm. to accomplish an objective. What does God think about it? Look at verse uh, chapter, I'm um, sorry. Um, oh, let me see if I can find it. Look at, look at chapter 10, verse 30. Look at verse 30. Concerning what Jehu did, mm -hmm. And the Lord said unto Jehu, because thou hast done well in executing that which was right in mine eyes, and hast done it according to the house of Ahab, according to all that was in my heart, thy children and the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel. God said, that's a good job, young man. Yeah. Well done. You see? Yeah. So with that being said, uh, that it has to do with your motive and your objective. I, I, I believe Would that you say that in all these situations, somebody <clears throat> is... And look, the, the king of this... All right, so like... I, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. Uh, this is strong God, delusion to believe, believe a lie. That, that they is. should believe a lie, right. that they might be damned who believe not the truth, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's God saying, I'm going to cause people to believe a lie and be damned. Mm -hmm. That's worse than me killing you. Mm -hmm. You're going to hell forever because God mm -hmm. convinced you something was said, yeah, you can be convinced of it mm -hmm. because of your previous action. Mm -hmm. The judgment on Ahab because of his previous action, mm -hmm. right? The judgment against Saul because of his previous action. David is lying to Saul because Saul's going to kill David, mm -hmm. right? David is on the run from Saul. David lies so that he doesn't have to kill the people of Israel. That's when he acts like a maniac, right? In Ziklag. Sure, sure. So he doesn't have to go war against them. Exactly, right. Right? Eaten of the showbread, eaten of the corn. No, the Ziklag, that was the Philistines. The Philistines. That the Philistine, that was different. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. So all of these situations, like we said when we started, there is a there is an allowance in the Word of God to not, that, that there are things that are superordinate to, there, there's got to be a hierarchy of understanding within the Christian believer, or else you get into, this is where this can devolve and get it dangerous, the end justify the means. Mm -hmm. So no matter what I do, as long as I make the means important enough, mm -hmm. let's say I make the means saving a soul. Right. Why can't I violate everything in that Bible in order to get someone saved? You don't have the right concept of saving a soul, first of all. If, you, if, if a person does that, because uh -huh. people do that, but you don't understand what it means to save it. Why are you even talking? I know you know better, I know. but I would ask, why are you even talking that way? What do you mean, save a soul? But that's what I'm trying to say is that there is a utilitarian approach to the gospel now where I can dilute it into whatever as thin 
as mm-hmm. drinkable as possible mm-hmm. in order to get somebody to swallow sure. it. Sure. And then sure. they come to church and da 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 da, and they'll get it by they'll they'll right. get conversion by uh, I don't know what you call it, by exposure, uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. But I I I don't know I don't know how um, how do you bridge the gap in a way because really what you're talking about is. In order for somebody to deal with nonlinear problems, which is a problem that is anything that doesn't connect A to B, mm-hmm. right? Conceptual problems, things like that, things that aren't, there's no easy solution to. Mm-hmm. They have to. Uh, man, they have to be able to at least you're, you're respond right. to novelty in the way in which God exposes mm-hmm. himself to you. So how you've seen a fire before. Moses turns aside when it's not consumed. How do you respond to those signals of transcendence that you're supposed to behave differently? And how do you not just allow your own heart, which is mm-hmm. desperately wicked, to say, I can correct the word of God at mm-hmm. any point, right? Right. I get because you. I don't agree with it. No. Um, you're asking a very good question. And you're saying, what is the metric that determines... Uh, when, when to, when to, uh, when to fight, when to flee, when to, when to refrain. There's a time for every purpose in yeah. heaven, right? Back and forth. Listen, Proverbs somewhere in Proverbs. Answer not a fool according to his folly. Mm-hmm. What's the next word? Next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly. Plus, he be wise in his own Plus conceits. Plus, he be wise yeah. in his own conceits. The same question you asked is a question: When do I answer not a fool according to folly? When do I answer full? You're going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to develop that keenness and that awareness. And it comes by use of the Word of God gives you discernment according to Hebrews chapter 5. Let me ask you this, because this is good when it goes back to the tie situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this ties into Romans chapter 14. But um, So every man esteemeth every day the same. One esteemeth day and let every man do according to right. Mm -hmm. So, and for those of you that... I'm not quoting that perfectly. Basically, if Kirby Tab thinks that Thursday is the day to honor and worship and glorify God, yeah. and I think it's Sunday, mm-hmm. and he honestly in his heart believes it should be Thursday, mm-hmm. then worship God on Thursday. You're worshiping God. Who cares? And I'll worship God on Sunday, right? right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm a wiser and more spiritual brother, I worship God on Thursday when I'm with Kirby, right? Mm-hmm. Like Because I'm willing to condescend and keep his faith intact in order to not hurt him, mm-hmm. right? In a way that is lawful, okay? Or the Thursday guy could condescend to the Sunday guy. Yes, and have the way. same amount of scripture. There's no, you understand. So goes. the tie thing, you would be dishonest in trying to maintain a false image if you mowed your grass with a tie on. That guy would feel violation in his spirit. Probably run a good tie, too. That guy would feel violation in his spirit if he didn't have the tie on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? So then both of you are right in your approach. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something. That maybe is this plausible? In order for you to be right with God, you've got to go before that Jewish community and cast yourself down in front of them and say, "Kill me, save my son." Mm-hmm. And in order for me to be right with God, I got to tell my son every day, "I will kill you if you violate that word of God." <laughs> right, right. You understand what I'm right, saying? Right, right. I don't know how you parse that up, but I'm telling you, I know that's true. Uh huh. Yeah. And for any of you who think I'm not a big softy, I'm the biggest softy yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. But I know what I feel is right in my heart with mm-hmm. that. Sure. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Sure. 
Hey, tell me that's not a ball. That's Here's hard to unpack, dude. Joey, if you would kill Jace, yeah. That if you would, don't be dishonest and say you wouldn't. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm not killing Austin James. I know. You I know. That's all there is to it. I understand. And I, Me and Chelsea have had this know, discussion. I'm when you preach you. those messages, mm-hmm. we've had that discussion. I said, I'm telling you, I tell her, I was like, I'm not violating the word of God in that situation. If I'm in that situation, I'm not violating the word of God either. I'm telling you, you know. But that's what I'm saying. Son. That's what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you. There's something. And you know there. what? Here, here's another thing. If I wanted to wax righteous, yeah, you're gonna think you can do what God did. God, God, it pleased the Lord to bruise His Son. You're gonna give your son to a mob, your guilty son to a mob. He gave his righteous son to a mob. Listen, I ain't got that much love in me for anybody. You understand? I don't, no. In other words, I don't have that much love for the community or anybody else to save my community by sparing my son. You understand? Yeah. That's my son, and you. No, not. I understand it. I, but I, I'll tell you this. The word of God's going to stand. Uh-huh. I'm the jerk. I just become that sin. Everything he does, yeah. I am guilty of it. I am. I, I will be delivered as. Oh, promise that, you, if this you airs, yeah. everyone will agree with you. Well, everyone will agree thing. with you because I've already seen it play out right. publicly where this played out in a debate where someone said that. Right. And I agreed with George Antonio when he said it. I said, no, I, I can't violate it. But that's an internal thing. Right. I do not know what you need from the Holy Spirit. I'm just, God we're talking about honesty. The yeah. reason I said I, I don't, you know, whether I'm correct or not, God knows. I'm yeah, being honest. absolutely. I'm being honest, okay? And if I tried to wax, and if, I, if I said were, what I thought, the accept, the, here's the acceptable answer in the, in the realm of Bible-believing Christianity. Well, I'm going to do what the Bible says. Yeah. You understand? Um, but anyway, uh, it, you, 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 you asked that question. How do you know the difference between the two? Just like answer a fool, yeah. answer not a fool. Um, there is something, in other words, I've got a full ammo clip in my AR-15 and I'm in combat or my M-16 and yeah. I'm in combat. Um, a good soldier knows there's certain things that don't demand you unload that clip and go full auto. Sometimes it's a single shot. You know what? Sometimes it's no shot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it, you just, you've got to discern that. Uh, I played baseball for years. I know this, a good baseball player. He knows he's, and this takes development, years of development. He knows if he's gonna swing mm-hmm. when that ball's uh, halfway to the plate. And I'm sure in majors they probably know a lot of second that, but uh-huh. he knows when it's half. By the time that ball is halfway to the plate coming at you, you got a split second. He already knows if he's gonna commit or not. Yeah. And there, there is something in life where you have enemies approaching you, and, and different people with different emotional thresholds. Okay. Mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of stuff with my secular employment. I've just got that. That, that's who I am. You understand? I see, I, yeah. see, I got, I deal with chaos. I'm at such a close proximity to death and to danger and to destruction and disappointment. Just crazy. It's, it's nuts. Uh-huh. Okay. I kind of almost look indifferent to things that come my way. Mm-hmm. You understand? It's not because I'm indifferent. It's just, man, you learn to chill out. You know, a good seasoned general will hold his troops back. The old proverbial musket day said don't fire till you see the whites in their eyes if you panic and pull your trigger too soon you're going to hurt a lot of people yeah you understand i have seen so many people i get the text as a pastor that some little thing will happen in their home and they're ready to get divorced they think they're and then by the time I even just process it, a couple of days, you know, go by and everything's fine yeah that in other words that text never should have been sent me uh-huh. <laughs> okay and he's panicking, or she's panicking. Yeah. When man, won't you just chill out and let's see how this thing goes, okay? And yeah. relax a little bit. But when it comes to honesty, being honest with yourself is very. And one of the metrics that you can use really 
you know if you're honest with your wife or not. Yeah. You understand? Men, that can't be. If there is nothing more creepy than keeping a secret. Yeah. Well, don't do anything creepy that would make you have to keep a secret. Yeah. You tracking? If it's whatever it is, be transparent with your wife. I love, that's what keeps you holy. Yeah. There's a lot of things, if it wasn't for the restraining influence in my life, I may allow into my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's just something that Leah doesn't, you know, um, it's not bad, you know, yeah. it's not, but it's like, hey, yeah, she don't, that's the, we don't do this. You know what yeah. I'm Whatever it is, it's just, just uh, don't be think, overthinking that. But it's my wife, it's, it's kind of like, you know what, that's a restraining influence and vice versa, same with her. Yeah. There's some things, no, no, we don't, we don't do this, we don't go here, whatever it is, because of me and con- contrasting, it's complimenting, it's not contrasting. Well, um, but in the home, I've heard Peterson say, Jordan Peterson has some great advice on lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a uh, professor, well, he was a professor at the University of Toronto, mm-hmm. um, uh, psych, a psychiatrist or psychologist. Psychologist. Psychologist? I get them mixed up. Which one prescribes meds? He prescribes <laughs> meds. No, seriously, one can prescribe meds and one I, can't. I, I, I get them mixed up, honestly. I, don't know, I should know that, but I'm sorry that I don't. Psycho. He's a psycho something, okay? Well, it has to do with uh, behavior. And he talks about the ramifications of a life, uh, of a life, of a lie, and how it lowers your value mm-hmm. to such a degree. It's not, you're not getting away with anything. And it's, um, well, with, with my, here, here's, here's a situation of dishonesty. Mm-hmm. I see it, Joey. I've done more marriage counseling than I ever wanted to do in my life. Yeah. I did a lot. And I, you got front row seats to the big show, buddy. You don't need, you bring your popcorn, okay? Yeah. But anyway, what I'm seeing is years and years of dishonesty between you. Know, I'm not talking about uh, big, big sinful stuff. I'm talking about being dishonest. They can't tell each other when, man, I'm about half mad at you right now. Yep. You understand? Uh, never forget this. Honest conflict is of more social value than dishonest harmony. Yeah. I'm talking about harmonic flow and dissonance and things like that. Honest conflict is of more social value than dishonest harmony. But there's too much of that dishonest dishonesty between a man and a woman for the sake of just, uh, I just want to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. Man, there ain't no peace at all. What are you talking about? It's all that does. You know what it does? When you're dishonest with yourself and you should have said something, yep. and a lot of times it'll happen when the kids get a little older. Yep. You understand? One of the biggest problems happens when, when mom and dad don't agree on what the kids get to do. You understand? Mean, yeah. With that being said, you better roll up your sleeves and have it out. If you mm-hmm. have to, you know what? It, it'll pay off dividends. But if you're is what will usually happen, dad will back off. Mm-hmm. You know what he'll do? It'll breed resentment. Yep. And that resentment will eat at him because he'll, you know who he's mainly mad at? Himself. Yep. Because he did not step up. And a pastor will do that in a church. Yep. A pastor will be dishonest because he's catering to his congregation. Yep. And he will, he will allow things that shouldn't be allowed. And he will back, even whether it's doctrinal things or just business things. And you know what he'll do? Yeah, he'll end up inwardly. Mm-hmm. resenting the congregation yep. and he'll also resent himself because he's not being honest. So when we're talking about being wholesome, mm-hmm. a lot of pastors burn out because of that because yeah. they, it's a pressure pot. Um, so I try to just clear, I want, if, if I can say, when you ask me about how do I know when I'm being dishonest, I guess technically I wouldn't, but I know one thing, it probably would be now that I've had time to think about it for a few minutes, <laughs> it would probably be a situation where if I, the result, the, the, the resentment 
mm-hmm. that I'm having toward others and in myself yep. would be a signal that I have missed my honesty somewhere. Yep. Now, I've got a quick question for you, though. When can you be too wholesome? When can you be? I, it too probably wholesome. falls into transparency. Too honest. Well, I've got a verse for you. Okay. And I know uh, it's Proverbs 29, 11. How about this one? <clears throat> a, a fool uttereth all his mind, mm-hmm. but a wise man keepeth in, it in till afterwards. That's where I'm talking about don't shoot until you see the whites of their eyes. Yeah. You understand? Get them, let it get, know when there's a real threat, then you hit both barrels at the same time. You understand? And with that, uh, again, the baseball player, he knows when to commit to the swing mm-hmm. and when to back off. You got to know when the back off of wisdom sometimes is backing off. And you're, is that, that's being honest too. Because a fool, how about this? A fool is too honest. You tracking? Well, so this is where I would say there's a, all right, so to give you everyone some background and everything, um, I would say that when me and Chell got married, what was happened is she had a preset to make things okay which means you don't tell what's actually bothering you, mm-hmm. right? And I am a wide-open book mm-hmm. and over-transparent. So I, I honestly had a very immature of, if you're not telling me something, then you're being dishonest right. with me, right? Mm-hmm. But that's just, that's kind of comes from you, your own personality, how you were raised, right? right? So like... We had a lot of discussions, and now it's so much easier after 10 years of marriage because not only do I know what's upsetting her, but like we can just go to, all right, well, if that's what's bothering you, tell me that's what's bothering you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I can say, oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean it like that. Or, no, yeah, I, I, shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done that. Or, no, I'll tell you why I did that. This is why. This is my explanation for why I decided to go that way. Whatever it was, right, you can say either, A, I can see that I was wrong, B, this is why I believe that's the right thing to do. Or C, what's a solution that you think would be a better thing? We can, we can negotiate a solution here on what you think would be a better way to handle that. There have been so many times where I've made a passing comment mm-hmm. that I thought nothing of that might have accidentally really hurt my wife's feelings in the moment, right? And then I'm going to be like, hey, that kind of, if, if that roles were reversed, I could see that. And a lot of times, you know what it is? It's in an effort to be funny. Mm. And I think that's where like, I make some of my mistakes. Now, with the transparency thing, what I've realized is this. All right, you got enough in you. You got enough in you where you can make arguments for anything. If I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Now, I know when I'm being deceptive, but a lot of times I'll put all my cards on the table at first. I'll give you everything I got up front mm-hmm. so that I don't have any tricks in the bag left. And everything that from now on out, like if I'm having a real discussion on something, here's everything from the front. Mm-hmm. Now there's no rabbit for me to pull out of the hat. Yeah. I'm not going to try and pull something out of the hat later. This is what it is. Now, let's see if with, all, with every bit of information that I can give mm-hmm. you, let's see if it holds up right. and if it's really strong or not. Mm-hmm. I would say the self-deception thing, when you talked about having that inner resentment, you know when there's a shadow growing. Yeah. And what will happen if it's unaddressed is it only gets darker. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get people who are living a dual life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I say this to you? 
but then I'm a different person there, and I'm a different person there, and I'm a different person there. And I think that people want the same behavior. Like, that's what we talked about. You mapping the same behavior to every situation is not really appropriate. There is behavior in a myriad of areas in your life. Social landscape and uh, social terrain and fluidity and agency to an arena. But your sincerity and your honesty allows you Mm-hmm. to behave in a way that's proper to those arenas. Absolutely. But I, I really, if I said I'm worried about anything, I know, I've given this example before. There was, when we were growing up, my, grand, my grandmother lived with us. She had Alzheimer's and dementia. And what happens at late stages is they just go into another world. They're in another reality, right, all of the time. And then she would wake up and realize 10 years have passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but you'd wake up for a day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the sorrow mm-hmm. that was on, like, it'd break your heart right. just thinking about it. The sorrow that she had waking up from a false reality for yeah. five years, uh-huh. right? I feel like that is what I'm more afraid of than anything. I do not want to deceive myself. Not with and, dementia, but with deception. I don't want to deceive myself with my own. And wake ego up to and yeah. pride mm-hmm. and everything else mm-hmm. and then I wake up and I realize I have I have ruined my life in a year I've ruined I've lost time I've ruined something that's what I'm sensitive to more than anything yeah. Yeah. because I feel like when you said like the worst lies you tell are lies you tell yourself I feel like people don't realize the lies they're telling themselves mm-hmm. like I gotta look in the mirror every day and say hey fatty you know Let's, you know what I'm saying? Even if I'm not working out that day, I got to at least be honest about the situation. I used to tell that to our teenagers when they were in there. I said, don't lie to God. Mm-hmm. I was like, you're going to sin. Mm-hmm. You're going to sin. I know you're going to sin. Mm-hmm. Any man that had said he had not sinned has deceived himself, right, right? right? And is a liar. I want you to be honest to God about your sin. Because at least then, at least then, it's eligible to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's what happens. I think people just justify it. And they say it's okay in this situation, okay in this situation. Oh, they can. And What tethers you back to reality? Uh, well, when you, I, I, I really, when you say tether, I really mean this. I try not to leave reality. Yeah. That's, that's a whole, the wholesome part. Listen, and where you, you're concerned about that, Yeah. I understand that concern. I don't share the same concern because I am a different thinker. And that, that's perfectly yeah. fine. I don't overthink stuff at yeah. all. I just deal with it, man. You know what I'm saying? I just like, dude, you know, it's just, and, but, but because of that, you know what? Um, I am uh, I'm free. Fluid is free. Mm-hmm. Whatever crack in the landscape, I'm gonna to conform to that. Yeah. And I'm not talking about social conformity. I, I, well, I'm not talking about cultural conformity yeah. and things like that. I'm talking about just being in attunement mm-hmm. with with, uh, you can really learn a lot by, by looking at music in life. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a harmony of life. And uh, just, I don't want to overthink. You know, I, I got this little saying, over-analysis leads to paralysis. Mm-hmm. You can overanalyze everything. Um, look, we just started a podcast. Mm-hmm. Or not even a podcast. We don't have enough subscribers to launch into that. <laughs> but we're, a YouTube, we're doing something. You know what? we got to sit there for another year and analyze every little thing and the lighting and the sound yep. and, and the content. We don't know what we're teaching next week, do we? Mm-hmm. we? We're off the cuff, man. 
There's a there's a don't overthink it. Yeah. Honestly, we both didn't really know where this was going today, did we? No, and I want I like this. I've enjoyed this uh, as much as ever because the whole goal of us sitting down was I wanted it to get as close as possible to when I call you on the phone, mm. right? Yeah. Because when I call you on the phone, you're not turning to every scripture reference saying, well, did you know in this, and did you know this, and did you know this? I got you, yeah. Because I know those verses. Right. And you and me are talking. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, a lot of times y'all will see, I'll start, and I'll just share a couple of things. Because there's no note here that I couldn't have written down that you wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And there's no note there that you couldn't have written down right. that I can't have. And if I reference the reference, you'll know it. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. You know what I mean? Or you'll be around it or you'll be familiar with it. Not that you don't go into study or anything else like that, but you can get so, all right, so you can get so insightful you can't be productive, which exactly. is analysis by paralysis. Mm. But you have to break the productive frame, which means you have to break reality in order to go down and get insight. Right? So I have to be willing on a regular basis to say, hey, this is what I think. I'm, I, I can forfeit that. I want to look at this other point of view. I can forfeit. I don't have to have that. I don't have to read into every time that this guy's talking about whatever. I don't have to sit there and say, well, this is how he's wrong. Let me run. Now I've got the list of how he's wrong. He's wrong here. He's wrong here. I take in everything that he said, and I say, let me look at this frame. Okay, let me break the pieces apart of this frame. Oh, okay. Well, here's the problem with that frame. I've got a hole and a hole and a hole, and I can't. I don't see now when I look at this, I see that wrong, and I see this wrong, and mm-hmm. I see that wrong. It's just like you putting on a pair of glasses, mm-hmm. right? Like if you take off your glasses, right, the framework by which you see the world, the world you're seeing isn't a lie, and the framework that you see isn't the truth, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not how it would work, but I've got to put on something in order to understand what I'm looking at, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like what we've talked about in order for me to introduce somebody to salvation. I've got to give them at least a basic framework mm-hmm. of what that would even mean mm-hmm. because when this religion, this religion, depending mm-hmm. on their background, when they talk about that term, it means something different. The, the word means nothing now. It means something different with each one of those people. If you talked about redemption or justification with a Catholic, his whole understanding of that is completely different than it would be a Protestant sure. Sure. or certainly it would be uh, you know, a Muslim. You know, So... Anyhow, well, as we approach life's different choices and things like that, I used that example last week, and it was kind of a rough thing. But I was talking about the tennis coach, and you know, or the trumpet coach. You yeah. Want, and you know, one of them, man, I'm telling you, you, and me and you are kind of like that. We're different. We approach things differently. Mm-hmm. But we do. Uh, how come we arrive at the same place? Yeah. We really do. Yeah. And I know other people that still arrive. I'm arriving where other people are. That, that, that all they think about is the the biology and the, and the science behind mm-hmm. how they think and what they do. Where uh, just like the tennis player, the guy that's taught. He's, he's focusing on visual cues. Yeah. And if he's lining up with the visual cues and doing it, all the technique is falling into place where another guy's focused on technique and guess what happened? Where yeah. that ball go? Same way with that trumpet guy. His ear, he's, this guy, uh, the guy that, my trumpet guy, he was like all about, you listen uh, for that vibrato and, yeah. that, and that, that, the, the forte and, the, and the, you know, hitting the right beat at the right time, the right note at the right time is just the beginning and, and, li- and how to make it, what's the overall objective of playing a trumpet? Making it where it's pleasing to the ear yeah. in matters of all of the, and, 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 to, and true to the music, how it's written and the crescendos and all of that stuff. Yeah. But if you'll train your ear to make that sound, 
all of the fundamentals with your aperture and your embouchure and your posture and your breathing will fall into place. Or if you do the other one first, whatever, whatever your approach, the objective is, hit the ball over the net, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. What, when it comes to shooting a gun, I shoot a gun. I'm not going to overthink it. I've been, I'm so used to shooting a pistol. How many thousands and thousands around special ops material, man? I guarantee so you, funny. I, I am. There no, no we just talking about it. overthinking. I'm just convinced. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm, I am an overthinker. I'm well, 100%. a lot of people overthink it. Like, a, what if I miss him and hit uh -huh. the wrong person? Dude, yep. uh, if I need to skin leather on my weapon, I don't have to aim. Yeah. You understand? I'm, I'm, if you're within 25 yards, I do not have to aim. I'm yeah. going, and it's just going to happen. It's going to be a bad day. Okay? Yeah. Why? Because you just you train that thing okay mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to be i'm not a super cop you know me i'm yeah. not I mean, i'm very disinterested in law enforcement but when it comes to that stuff it's just i've done it so much yeah. it's uh, so i don't you sit there and get your feet ready and yeah. shut your eye and line up get your breathing right man it's over you, uh -huh. you understand it's yeah. not it's not time it's just an oh no moment but you have an expertise You've passed from by way well script skill expertise. Here's the thing though, you can do that with your life. Mm -hmm. Can you not become an expert at life? Yeah. In some way, that's what I mean by discernment. Discernment is by reason of use. Mm -hmm. You just keep on using and testing your day with your own reality. Yeah. And being honest with yourself, make an indictment. Nobody gonna judge Kirby harder than Kirby. Yeah. You understand? I don't excuse myself. Yeah. That's dishonest. Mm -hmm. You understand? Judge yourself. Self-judgment is, is, you know, and all, I'm real big on the, the character attributes in Scripture and the, mm -hmm. the fruits of the Spirit, meekness, gentleness, and all of that stuff. Those are huge things. Those aren't just words. That's not yeah. re religious words. Those are things that will carry over into every aspect of your life if you put those on, if you clothe yourself with them things. I, don't just, I know we got a limited time of how this mics hold up. How are we doing, man? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I guess we've gone a little while now. We probably are getting pretty close to the end. Probably a good time to wrap it up. I just didn't up. know it. I didn't want it to cut off. Yeah, I got, I got into the conversation. I was talking to you about it. and uh, we'll, we'll have to, unfortunately, let's end it there. But, uh, man, I enjoyed today. I really did. I, I hope that we'll get, that's what I'm saying. I think we get closer every time when we do this to where I think if, if, if y'all could be a fly on the wall, there's something where there's something that happens when you're dialoguing with someone else who's a brother in the Lord. It's, it's, there's something that happens where it's better than it could be if it was just one, if it was just one person. And that's the discussion versus the debate. So we're better thing. than one. That's in the Bible yeah, story. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. You know, it's kind of like we'll have, and again, have you ever learned this? Uh, we'll have more fun by accident than you ever will on purpose. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Uh -huh. If you ever have a good day, you're going to look back and say, man, that was a good day. You can't, you can't, force that so always remember that <laughs> all right well we'll we'll wrap it up there and yeah. that can be it all right bye it. everybody <laughs>